You're listening to Resist and Restore with the Circle of Hope Pastors. I'm Johnny. I'm Rachel. I'm Ben. I'm Julie. And we're extending the table of our dialogue to you. We talk a lot. We rely on dialogue all the time as a church. And so we wanted to invite others into that with this podcast. Yeah, we're trying to stimulate people. We're trying to get people thinking and feeling and praying about the things that are kind of coming up in our community. And we think that it's more than just those that are here in the Philadelphia region that, that might be interested in this. And there, I mean, there's tons of people in the Philadelphia region that would be too. So we want to kind of shine our light, see who wants to get its warmth. Mm. And we end up talking a lot. And sometimes I think to myself, we should be recording what we're saying. Someone else should hear this. Yeah, because I forget everything you say. <laughs> it's That's often not, not true. memorable. <laughs> in your defense. No, it is, it's very memorable. I just did in one ear out the other. Lots of talking. Let's start the show with uh, one of the main things we do at Circle of Hope, which is talk back. People know what talk back is. At our, at our Sunday meetings, the pastors offer a message, and then people talk back. In this section, what we're uh, trying to do is answer questions that people have asked us. And by the way, if you have a question that you want us to answer, email resistandrestore at circleofhope.net. Resist and restore podcast at circleofhope.net. Oh, podcast is in there? Yeah. Resist and restore podcast at circleofhope.net. On our Instagram story this week, and you can follow us at Circle of Hope Net, the question we were asking is, what does being beloved mean to you? Here are some of the answers people came up with. Our struggles or failures don't define us. Mm -hmm. Our belovedness as God's people defines us. I am one with all other beings, all beautiful, all accepted, all loving, all together, mm -hmm. beloved. Resting in the fact that I am deeply loved as I am. Trusting I am who God says I am. My worth isn't defined by what I do right. I'm accepted, loved, redeemed. Therefore, I love. God loves me for who I am, not for who I should be. At the core of who we are, we are God's beloved and have always been worth saving. Wow, those are really good responses. Mm -hmm. Dude, I love that. Deep people around here. Mm -hmm. What does it mean for you to be beloved? I first came into that by reading something in the Bible that made me feel like God understood like exactly what I was going through, like the particularities of it. And uh, I that doesn't need to happen by reading something in the Bible. I think it could happen like in therapy or from like a friend, somebody understanding your particular pain. Do you remember what the what the Bible passage was? Ah, uh, yeah, no, no, no. it's a little too much for this podcast, but okay. maybe we can get into it later. Next week, ask her <laughs> what it was. <laughs> Resist and Restore podcast at circleofhope.net. So feeling like God like saw me exactly where I was and understood me, helped me grow into this awareness of being beloved. Don't you have a beloved tattoo too? I do, yes. It's like the roots of the tree are say beloved, right? That's right. It grounds me. I love that me. tattoo. Mm -hmm. It's really well done too. <laughs> By your brother. By your did my brother, brother do it? Yes, yeah. he did. I didn't even know. Oh, wow. The line work on this did. tattoo is amazing, y'all. Look at Rachel's forearm. Yes. I don't have a tattoo oh. uh, to show for it, but... I would say that belovedness, you know, it's something I'm still growing into, honestly. And and mm. you all actually help me work that out all the time because mm -hmm. um, I have 
old scripts in my head and patterns of behavior and that just kind of keep me stuck in my own assessment of myself. And, you know, Jesus is freeing me from that all the time through the the kind of love and truthfulness and relating that I get through you and my spiritual friendships. Like I need spiritual friendships to help me get to my belovedness. Mm-hmm. I can't really uh, sort all that out on my own. I think that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we need this concrete expression of God's love. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's why God tells us to love our brothers and sisters. That's why love is the highest thing. It, it, it's not just because uh, like God's into that. It's because God came as a human being to show us what human beings are. And we are essentially relating beings. We need the love of God expressed mm-hmm. in a human being in this body that God has made. We got to see it. We got to feel it. We got to know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is deeper than just like affection or niceness or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it involves like a real refining kind of relating. Mm-hmm. Um, it involves facing truth about yourself and each other and healthy conflict and, you know, all that kind of stuff is what that love is. My cell was talking about love last night and how even when we read it in scripture, we, we like kind of have a reaction to it because it feels like this soft thing. It's not just about good feelings. I mm-hmm. think it's about living into who we were created to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that was kind of my answer to, to what is beloved as well is that it's this kind of unshakable sense of who I am that is not subject to the ups and downs of my emotions mm-hmm. it's martin laird that talks about the mountain and the weather right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. okay so martin laird is this guy he wrote a bunch of books about contemplation the first one is into the silent land that's the only one i read villanova professor and he contemplation is this practice of getting essentially getting in touch with your belovedness getting in touch with your true connection to god and that takes descending below all of the the rat race of thoughts that you have in your brain. And monkey are, brain. Yeah, oh, is it monkey brain? Yeah, mm-hmm. like the, these just like, you know, I got to have it, got to snatch it. You know, mm-hmm. anything shiny, I'm going to take it, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and whatever we consider shiny is, uh, comes out of all of these emotional scripts that you're talking about, Julie, that kind of run us around unconsciously. And if we can take time to exist, even for like 20 minutes below those thoughts, deeper into our center, deeper into our spiritual awareness, and then our Holy Spirit awareness, where we're having this communion with God. Anyways, he described that, Martin Laird, in his book, Into the Silent Land, as uh, we are the mountain, and much of what's going on in our brain is the weather. And it changes. It just changes all the time. And, yeah. we- and, weather, and weather on a mountain is notoriously unpredictable, and so are my emotions. You know, mm-hmm. all the time, wait, why am I so mad? You know, mm-hmm. why, why do I feel like such a piece of crap? <laughs> like what just happened? Why am I, why am I shouting at my kid? Which I did last night because I was, I, I lost at Mario Kart. <laughs> there was a storm on the mountain. Did you really get beat bad though? Yes. I got creamed in Mario Kart. And, and I was like, I don't, it, it, I, I, it would, there was like slight kind of, uh, there was sleight of hand to make it so that it wasn't because he beat me. But like when he remembers this, it's gonna be because my dad is a jerk and he wants oh. a Mario Kart. Like, anyways, you need more contemplation. Yeah, I, I do. I definitely do. Oh my gosh, and I it's, felt it's I, fe- I felt it at that moment so strong. And it's different than stoicism, 
right? You're not just trying to not feel anything. Or or mm-hmm. Buddhism too, like right. escape from attachment. Like, no, right. I'm actually, I'm trying to feel the reality that is at the center of me. This is what belovedness is. I, I need to get in touch with it uh, deeper than all of my emotional weather storms that are on the mountain of me. Yes. And I think that takes time, like like years to really grow into this full awareness of our belovedness. It's why we talk so much around Circle of Hope about creating an environment. We need to soak in the environment, I think, for a long time before we can really take this in. And I, I think it's why anybody who goes to any church meeting to get like a, a like a one time spiritual experience that's going to like change their life is probably going to be disappointed because we need the environment of these relationships with each other and God, I think, to, to really understand our fullness. Mm-hmm. Or we need our pastors telling us regularly to talk about Christian contemplation because we do. Yeah. That's one of our favorite <laughs> things. And it's one of the hardest things to do. So we need encouragement. Like, yeah, it's regular to like try to fight to pray. Yes. Every morning. Yes. And it takes a while to let our defenses down, our walls down. You know, we have many reasons to resist this love from our emotional scripts that tell us we're bad or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, Johnny. And go the ahead. security that you find when you uh, can finally believe, like Paul says in Romans 8 1, there is no condemnation in, in Christ Jesus. When you hold that security, you can actually endure the invariable trouble of community that you find when. Your loved ones fail at loving you. Mm-hmm. Me being God's beloved allows me to endure that. You know, that's and that's really hard for me to believe because most of the time I hate myself so much that only a foolish God would love me. Actually receiving that love is is a real discipline for me. You were just reading Henry Nouwen's book, Life of the Beloved, mm-hmm. right? That 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 book is so uh so touching to me and actually caused me to be a Christian again, essentially. I remember reading it for the first time and believing that I was loved and not condemned and not evil because that was the message that was reinforced both by my family, but also by the theological tradition that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Um, So the particularity of God's love for me is important. That one-to-one relationship with Jesus really counts. I was on an atheist Facebook meme page. These are the things I do. And they were making fun of Christianity by uh, saying... Focusing right down on planet Earth. There's a huge image of the galaxy, and they said, this is God's favorite planet. This is God's favorite sun. This is God's favorite galaxy. And I thought to myself, well, I know you're making fun of me, but I'm actually encouraged by that. (laughs) That in the grandness of the whole universe, God actually particularly loves me. I appreciate that, you Mm -hmm. know? And the infinite nature of God allows God to have a capacity to love me specifically, particularly. That's yes. one of the reasons yes. why I would be sad if there were aliens. <laughs> well, there's no. I really do. I really do want Earth to be that. Like, I want the whole universe to be Earth centric. And I know that, you know, might not be true, but I hope it is. <laughs> well, the love of God and its abundance That's isn't, right. isn't made less valuable because it is so um, available. And available. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. In our economy, we think it, this scarcity is what assigns value. But no. Mm-hmm. In God's economy, abundance is still valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just everything is infinitely valuable. The sparrow, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, amazing thing we can do with just some talk back from what does it mean to be beloved on Instagram? <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Yeah, email us with more questions. 
What's the email address again? Resist and Restore Podcast at circleofhope.net. They can even give an answer to what does it mean to be beloved there too, right? Totally. Maybe we'll read it on air next time. So something always happens on Sunday when we get together. We can never quite predict it. It's fun to relate face to face, get together to worship and pray in each of our meeting spaces around the region. And we thought this this podcast would be a fun place to talk about it. So, Ben, what happened on Sunday? So I went to two Sunday meetings this week Mm. uh, because uh, Bruce and Merle Bundy, who are our friends from Spain, they came to speak at my old congregation, my home, my home congregation, the one that meets on South Broad, 2212 South Broad. So I, my wife was there for a quilting team meeting. It's a compassion team. They make quilts for people that need them in like disaster areas. And I was over in Philly to pick up my kids from my parents' house. So, cause I live in South Jersey mm-hmm. and we just decided to stay for this meeting cause I wanted to see the Bundys. And they told this amazing story about transformation in Madrid, Spain. That was just so encouraging because they have been there for 31 years or something like that. And they've just been kind of chipping away and just kind of persevering in difficult territory. You know, Spain is like this really Catholic country, but they had uh, a revolution uh, or like a civil war in the 20th century that just messed everything up and kind of made everyone totally cynical, like prematurely. So like everyone is Catholic, but also like not really Christian either, but they're culturally Catholic. So it's this like really difficult place for anyone to like have a spiritual sense of anything. People are kind of, they, they turned off that switch inside of them, it seems. But I mean, of course they didn't because we're human beings and that's how we are. Bruce and Murley met this one, one guy who was just kind of ready for some transformation. And then all of his friends were ready too. Like he, he like really changed. Like he kind of had this breaking point and he changed. And then all of his friends, he went and told his friends about it. And all of his friends saw the transformation that, that had happened in him. And they got into the, the church too in these creative ways. And so they, Bruce said that they had, they, they had all, they went to Spain because they wanted, they, they felt God was calling them to Spaniards, but their church was mostly expatriate American people or Latin American immigrants. And, they said that in the past 18 months, they have met more Spaniard people than in the past 25 years. And that like success after long suffering of like difficulty and struggle was so encouraging to me. And then we said Philadelphia sports fan, it was encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> no, as a, as a leader of the church, my, my church is in South Jersey and it's been there for 10 years and we've been trying a long time yeah. to, to find those who are called by the Holy Spirit to resist and restore with us. And yeah, I, I feel that difficulty, honestly. And I was encouraged by the fact that, like, even if it's hard and it's difficult work. For 25 for, years. For 25 <laughs> years or for 10 years. Or in my case, I've only been a pastor for four, almost five years. Mm-hmm. Like, new stuff can still happen. And then <laughs> Benny Rose, Ben Rosenbach, picks up this Elevation Worship song, You're Making All Things New. And as we were seeing that one of the hooks, which is the best hook, better than the chorus, you are making all things new. And it goes on like that. And he repeated it a few times. Thank God. I wanted him to repeat it like 70, 100, 700 times or something. I just wanted to keep singing that because I got in this prayer state of imagining all the situations that I wanted to be new. 
from like my relationship with my kids uh, and yelling them at Mario Kart to the church and all the people that I want mm-hmm. to experience the newness of life in Christ to even the dynamic on this team, the four of us, we're trying to, to step into a new era of our leadership with the leadership team. And it's hard. And I just had these faces all flashing in my mind. I was just, I was weeping. Like I really believed in my heart that God really was making things new and I could mm-hmm. trust that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So something happened at the Sunday meeting, that y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I was feeling some of that too, Ben. Um and then Yeah, we were at the same meeting. I was we, like that was that's your you where you lead there at South Broad, right? Yep. I do feel like something new is happening all across our church and I could see it on Monday at our about circle of hope dinner. Me and a couple friends put a meal together and invited some friends who want to know more about Circle of Hope and We started out the conversation with, tell us something funny or awkward that happened to you in church or, you know, in a spiritual experience. And it just kind of opened up the conversation to to talk about our deepest stuff without defensiveness and with a lot of laughter. Mm -hmm. And people were texting me the next day like, I never had a space like that to ask my questions about God and and my life with so much respect and non-defensiveness. And it turns out two new cells are coming out of that meeting. Like people want to host cells. Uh, Yeah. Cells are circles of 10. Like, tell us about cells. Yeah, they're circles of 10 where you can have that kind of conversation. You can get to know each other and support each other and talk about your stuff and laugh and become friends and um, develop a life of faith together. So I, it was just a glimpse of like, oh, we, we want more of this. We, we hunger for this. And God is allowing it to happen. It's so it felt and good. And it was happening on Sunday. How, how did it happen on Sunday? Oh, well, you described a lot about our meeting. I loved um oh, I still I still I still your thunder, sorry. <laughs> well, I, can no, but, about, I can talk about South Jersey too, sorry. Well, I'll just add that Ben Rose started us out with um the song Four Non Blondes. I say hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh I say hey. What's going on? What's going on? And we were all That's singing so at funny. the top of our lungs. <laughs> it and was, it, it was just great. felt good to be alive, you know, yeah. and to be able to have our questions and expect God to do something new. Yeah, that was the questions that you're talking about. I mean, they, yep. they, what was that? Ni- 1994. They were asking the right question. What is going on? <laughs> right. We're still asking it. <laughs> What's going on? At, at my Sunday meeting, um, Erica, my friend Erica, was leading us through the meeting. And at one point, she gave us this invitation to consider what is being made new in our lives or what we're longing to be made new. And then she invited us to write it in words and put some color to it. And she had this beautiful table set up with paints and like cardstock paper and it was just really nice materials spread out for you to go at any point throughout the meeting to just give what's happening in you or what you're longing for some some words and some color and what people created was gorgeous it was so beautiful she invited us to take them home with us but a lot of people left them there together and there's just seeing this table full of color and words it was like our prayers put into something tangible you think it's like frameable or something should it like survive she said she could make something out of it yeah yeah, that would be cool. Just uh, although you, we don't own our space up there, so you, we'd have to hang it in your office or we'll something like that. We'll find a way. Yeah, we'll find a place to put it. <laughs> yeah. My main guy Bryant was leading on Sunday, and 
one of the things he said that are I are you allowed to say is, that you have a main guy? Yeah, but that's like a <laughs> this is a generous term. I have many main. Guys. Oh, good, because I would I thought I was your main guy. So. Brian right. is special. Tell us, John. And he was he was he uh, he was saying it's so easy to divide the world between the bad guys and the good guys, but we're not all bad or all good, but we're made new in baptism. So he actually got us to thinking about our new kind of identity in Christ that isn't so moralistically bifurcated. And that kind of led into a... OED, please. OED. Moralistically bifurcated. <laughs> like uh, the good guys and the bad guys, basically. Saying the same thing. Okay. <laughs> and, he, uh, and then that kind of led into what I was sharing um, in my uh, message that I gave. And I started with, with uh, Kobe Bryant, who's still on my heart. And, you know cherished dude legendary basketball player just really like a yeah he's a legend came to a untimely death with his 13 year old daughter terrible Mm -hmm. story and then so so all this good stuff about him makes us feel sad and then his life's complicated right because when he was 23 and just so the people that are listening know i'm gonna get into a a, just a brief amount of a sexual assault so prepare yourself when he was 23, he uh, he raped a 19-year-old hotel employee. And so his legacy is complicated by that. And so the question I was left with is, is he bad or is he good? Well, neither. And then ultimately, did he change? Did he grow? And then what does that say for me as a person? Can I, can I change? Can I get better? Is there hope yet for me to move in the directions that I want to? Even in my uh, newness, even in my baptized self. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we get stuck that way. So uh, what happened on Sunday was a dialogue about the possibility of changing, the possibility of even growing beyond whatever rut you think you're in or whatever box you think you're in. And using Kobe is such an extreme example because, yeah, he did something that is so universally despised, uh, of course. And like it's almost like the caricature of who you are, you know, because some even though you know, most of us haven't done something like that. It, it might feel like we have. I'm actually thinking mm-hmm. about like having this kind of incredible failure with this incredible success right inside of Kobe. It's just a, it's a good parable for us because whether we are moderate failures and moderate success, like the way it feels for us is extreme. You yeah. know, our failures feel like they're the worst thing ever. And we, that's probably it. That's where we get stuck all the time. I don't know if we have a sense of ourselves as, as so... Uh, extreme as Kobe. Yeah, well, that just calls me back to our belovedness. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Like, that just really, I mean, that was that was my first experience of of knowing I was beloved was feeling not just forgiven, but known and loved in all of my sense of failure and success. Like it, it's not that it didn't matter, but like God's love for me was like bigger than all of that and i think that's for kobe that that's for all of us totally you know for him he uh eventually got a mega contract and collected his endorsements so maybe he thought he made it out okay you know the belovedness of god that you're talking about is so distinct from worldly success and accomplishments that our transformation isn't measured in that way either you know Mm -hmm. yeah like a big brand forgave him but that doesn't he, he was he in touch with his own forgiveness yeah yeah and, and did he do what it took to act from that forgiveness right. and reparation, etc.?
All right, for the last segment of our podcast, we're going to look at our phones and uh, ignore the people around the table. Johnny. I'm listening. I'm <laughs> no, it's very annoying. I don't like it. I need yeah, your full engagement you so you can interrupt people. Um, interrupt you. I'm interrupting you right now. <laughs> Give me a second. Hey, stop. I, 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 I'm just ending something. I need to yeah, no, it doesn't need to happen right now. I really want your full attention, seriously. You have my because we're doing something right. hard. Like, this is, like, this, this is not going to, like, attention oh. yesterday. I asked for it. Well, I'm asking for Ben's it now. Ben's asking okay. for okay. it now. Well, I'll give it to you, okay? Don't assume that we're not going to be phoneless. Are you crazy? This last section is spiritual show and tell. So we're going to talk about like what is spiritually nourishing you. Yeah, what's good for your soul this week? Anybody? All right, I'll start. Last night, my cell met and we were talking about our friend Kaz, who is the director of The Simple Way and one of our covenant members, she sent out this email to uh, the whole church about loving your enemies. And she was just sharing something about her own journey uh, in working that out. And so it was good stimulation for our for us. And we got to talking about how it's hard to hear the words of Jesus uh, without translating it in our own just in our own context, we have a lot of, of barriers and things that block us from really understanding Jesus and what he was actually saying. Because so often it seems like that verse is thrown around as a just a way of teaching us to like to take it, whatever it is, and just be nice in difficult situations. And so it took a while. It took some dialogue to get to really who was Jesus and what was his context as he was teaching this? What did he really mean? And that was freeing. We got to a recognition that's really like an active resistance. And it's not just about taking bad behavior or something and accepting it. Anyway, it was nourishing to my soul because I realized we really need space to dialogue about this stuff to get to relating to Jesus because so many times we have baggage that we carry. Mm. Well, that word nourish makes me think about actual food. My son was uh, excited to um, make some food for me this week. Um, he, you know, he cooked these like he marinated these uh, soft boiled eggs and uh, made this dish for me Sunday night after the Sunday meeting when I come in late and tired. For me, it's connected to like this process of discipleship and what I saw on Monday night then with our leaders giving and hosting, like giving their spiritual food to this group of friends who wanted to know more about Circle of Hope. I'm thinking that like sometimes when you pour into somebody, they become a giver too. Yeah. Like I, I could see that with my son, Zach. You know, I taught him people uh, used to say, why are you giving that? three-year-old the knife um but he was learning how to cook even when he was really little and now he's like he's giving that to others and i think that that's what we're doing in this spiritual life all the time when we offer what we know to each other so Does that make like, any sense so it was like zach, zach zach was kind of feeding back to you what you had fed to him yes and yes that, that kind of amplified your uh your own sense of connection to god like what because what you had given him kind of grew and you saw the growth yes he was so excited 
to like make a meal for me. And I, I, I felt the love in that. And then I could see it on, on Monday night with our leaders. Like none of us made the whole meal. We each brought one little part of the meal and, and had this open space for conversation with others. And it felt like that same kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. we're given what, what we got here, what we've been given. Yeah. One time I gave a message, uh, at 2309. Is that what, was that the average 2309 North Broad? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. About bird song. We were listening to a bird, and I and there was a morning dove singing, but it, for some reason I couldn't remember that it was a morning dove. It was that like, do do, you know, they do this kind of mournful three note song. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I'm gonna have a terrible at bird song. That's why I wasn't remembering it. But we were sitting outside, and Oliver remembered, oh, it's a, it's a morning dove right there. Because it's so it, good it, with birds. It, it had been it had been bothering me all day, and this was years ago. So he was like four or five or something like that, maybe five or six. That's awesome. And I, that was a similar kind of thing. Like I had fed him this love for birds and he had fed it back to me. Yeah. And I, and I needed the community of birdsong to fill me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how it is, you know, with the work we're doing together, even like the work of this podcast of just bringing our spiritual experiences together and reminding ourselves what it's all about. Like, this is good for me to just hear you say that because it's mm. amplifying like, like what we're giving each other, the mutuality even right now and how Johnny was saying earlier, like it's not about scarcity that assigns the value. It's this like abundance, oh. you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It, it's coming back in all kinds of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might be surprised what nourished me this week um, because it was the Iowa caucuses. <laughs> um, wow. Nope. Not surprised. <laughs> well, the whole thing is a train wreck, but, uh, but aside from that, there was this moment and I'm not even a Buttigieg guy, but I was watching the, 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 his, his caucus and this woman who was gonna, who voted for him, she was trying to get her vote back because she found out he was gay and she didn't think that we should have a gay president. For some reason, she's, her head's in the clouds. She doesn't know he's gay, even though that's been known. Anyway, the Buttigieg person was talking back to her and she said, it's totally within your right to have that opinion. And I can see you're a Christian woman. So I'm asking you to look deep in your heart to see if you can look beyond this. And she said, this is the moment I, I, I got teary-eyed when she said this. Because she said, I'm a Christian too. And I, I, it was so simple. I believe God loves everyone. And, and, and that, um, her kind of gentle uh, um, yet spirited tone with this woman, the conviction she had in her heart to share her faith in an authentic way and extend the love of God really did touch me. And I thought, man, there are a lot of decent Christians who are really trying to make the world a better place, a more loving place, a more inclusive place. And that's so encouraging because a lot of the ones that I hear about are doing just the opposite. And so what tills the soil of faith in my heart is, yeah, I'm not alone doing this. There's a lot of people doing this with us. That's really encouraging to me. Mm. Well, my, one of my favorite people came up uh, again. We're talking all the time on one of our listservs. Uh, Penelope Wilcox came up this week and uh, she has nine books in the Hawk and the Dove series. I recommend all the which people. I have. I've read zero of oh, them. Johnny, oh, my gosh. So you are Father Peregrine. You need you need to hmm. read that book. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Both. Both. <laughs> like Toby Bryant. 
<laughs> Mostly good, though. Starts out bad. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and then it's about his transformation. That's the beginning. But it keeps going. <clears throat> it's this 14th century monastery, St. Alcon's. Uh, you know, great uh, subject really matter. It's this. totally relevant, you know, <laughs> totally relevant to today. No, because it's about simple life in community, which it's is really our, whole, our whole thing. Someone was talking about the last book in the series, which is um, A Day in the Life, I think it's called. And but I'm I'm actually currently reading The Beautiful Thread. The, the last three books came out in the past five or six years, and I'm kind of finally catching up. I have the other, the last book, and I'm reading the eighth book. Kind of what I was talking about earlier in the podcast, I was, you know, kind of feeling this struggle. And in this book, the abbot, John, who is Father Peregrine's successor, is just so busy and getting so distracted that he's going to fall into kind of a, a, a pattern of sin that's kind of dangerous, especially for him as a leader. And that's the threat. And... He just he punishes himself like actually with a scourge, you oh, know, really? like, you know, it's, this is 14th Jeez. century monks. And of course, this is the wrong thing to do in the in the story. And like all of his brothers are the this is what I mean this week. I don't know what happens. And I'm sorry for some of the spoilers. The crisis is how are we going to restore this man to his belovedness, essentially? Mm. You know how like you're punishing yourself for your mistake mm. and, and kind of in a, an excessive way. And now what? And all of the brothers that follow him are taking care of him and trying to figure out how to restore him. And um, I'm def- I definitely fall into, you know, extremes of like my perspective on myself. You know, and we were talking about this on the leadership team retreat, which we had this weekend, and we haven't talked about it at all on this podcast. No, but- I have a story I want to tell about that. Okay, okay, sweet. But I w- I had this realization of you know I kind of see things in this like. If I have a failure or if like something doesn't get done, it's either because it was impossible to do and there were so many extenuating circumstances that totally, you know, were insurmountable and I did a valiant effort and I failed and that feels good. It feels good to give a valiant effort and to fail. That is you. Or <laughs> I'm a total screw up. I messed it up. I'm lazy. I don't know anything. Mm. I, and, and it's all my fault. It's either all their fault or all my fault, essentially. And I was trying to get back into the middle uh, instead of punishing myself, which is a place I often go, trying to get restored into my belovedness so that I can take responsibility for somewhere in between the middle of those extremes so that I can actually do things and stop protecting the status quo by my inaction. The thing that I actually want to change and can change, even if it's in small degrees and in long discipline, I don't do because I'm telling these stories that mm. lead to surrender. Mm-hmm. I love that you got all of that out of... The book that you haven't even finished yet. <laughs> well, that's where it started, you know, but it's all it's all happening at the same time. Mm. Uh, this I, I want to tell a different story about what nourished me. We had a retreat this past weekend with the leadership team of across the whole church. And a few of us went on a prayer walk in the morning and uh, we decided to just take turns leading through uncharted territory because the path was so slippery. Everything was frozen over. So we were kind of off-roading it through the woods and got turned around and disoriented and we weren't sure how to find our way back. Uh, But along the way, we were praying for each person um, as they led us. And there was just so many beautiful things that happened apart from the destination, which, you know, breakfast was really appealing. We were all we were all ready to get some coffee and breakfast. But um, aside from getting to the destination, the process was really instructive. We actually had to like 
scale our way across slippery bridges coated with ice and laughed a lot and helped each other and um that nourished my soul doing that like in in our bodies together out in the cold morning uh, of the woods was really was really beautiful well that brings us to the end of our uh, podcast this was our uh debut podcast this is like the pilot podcast thanks for listening so thanks for listening if you want to talk to us again resist and restore podcast at circleofhope.net just want to thank luke bartolomeo our communications manager um and circle of hope audio art for uh letting us use the studio here that we have where we record uh music too so the first time here see you next time <laughs>